Welcome to the Something Patriots podcast, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, a podcast where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Game over! Series over! 27 up and 27 down for Teasley! The Patriots are your 2015 Atlantic League champions! Patriots win another Atlantic League title! Warning track ball! Done! Home run for Corey Aldridge! His third blast of the game! It's a walk-off grand slam! It is gone! Ball game over! Series over! And Patriots are the 2008 Atlantic League champions! On 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com, and where podcasts are available. A pleasant hello and welcome to episode number one of the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz and thank you so much for tuning in as we embark on a brand new adventure together. What you're listening to right now marks the first official podcast episode ever produced by the Somerset Patriots and the first one that I have ever done. Um, So so this should be a fun experiment. Uh, First off, we would like to thank our official radio partners of the Patriots, 1450 WCTC, for their help in producing this new podcast series and airing an episode both on the air and at WCTCAM.com every Friday night. Uh, WCTC will also now rebroadcast two different full Somerset Patriots games every Saturday and Sunday from 4 to 7 p.m. as we try to bring you as much Patriots content as possible during what is certainly um, a difficult time. Uh, Second, uh, we do want to make sure that we give a shout out to longtime Somerset Patriots beat reporter Mike Ashmore, uh, who is also uh, currently started a new podcast of his own uh, based around his time both covering the Patriots in the Atlantic League and on other relationships that he has gained during his time uh, covering baseball. Uh, If you guys are looking for additional Somerset Patriots content, head over to Mike's YouTube channel. Uh, It's youtube.com slash mashmore ninety eight. Uh, so youtube.com slash M as in Mike, A-S-H-M-O-R-E-9-8, uh, and give all of his podcasts over there a listen. Uh, Mike's done a great job speaking with a number of former Patriot players and uh, probably some coaches coming up, legends, and uh, even some current players as well. So it's really a great listen. Be sure to head over to YouTube and, and listen to Mike's podcast as well. All right, so... So here's how this new show is going to work. Uh, Each week, we're going to produce a new show uh, to catch all of you up on the latest going on with the team. Uh, We'll also have an interview with a member of the Somerset Patriots community, whether it be a current or former player or a coach or a staffer or potentially an owner, uh, to dive a little deeper into what has truly been a remarkable run for the Somerset Patriots franchise. And we're going to start off highlighting um, a little bit more about the currently being announced uh, all-decade team for the Patriots, and we'll get into that a little later. Um, So the way that the show is going to break down, uh, each week, uh, the first segment will be an update on really just what's going on with the Somerset Patriots, what's going on with the rest of the Atlantic League, uh, and really even just the baseball world as a whole, uh, considering everything right now is kind of new and uh, for, all, for all of us and, and changing every day. Uh, the second segment uh, of this podcast will feature some historical background uh, and a little more context on the guests that we plan on having um, each week. 
And the third segment will be uh, that actual interview uh, with our guest. Uh, this week's guest, an exciting one, uh, to kick us off on our first ever show, is Top 20 Patriot and recently announced member of the All-Decade team uh, from 2010 through the 2019 seasons. Uh, it's third baseman, uh, New Jersey native, Piscataway High School uh, graduate, Corey Smith. And we have a great conversation with Corey going over a lot from his time both in Piscataway and then later in his career, of course, finishing his uh, pro career with the Somerset Patriots. Um, so that's coming up later in this show. And then in the final segment of each show that we're going to do, we're going to honor uh, the efforts from either local heroes or local organizations uh, that are doing a great job to help do some work for our community during the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, on this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about some of the efforts that the Somerset Patriots have made uh, to try to give back to the community during this pandemic. All right, so that's the format for the show. That's how this is going to break down. That's our upfront contract with you guys, the listeners. Uh, each show is going to air on 1450 WCTC and Uh We're also in the process of finalizing the way that we're going to produce this podcast and house it on SomersetPatriots.com and, and hopefully a, a number of other uh, podcast platforms as well. Uh, we're going to produce this show once a week. Really excited to get it going. Um, so with that being said, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's officially start our first episode. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! <laughs> that, that right there was a clip uh, provided by uh, Director of Ticketing for the Somerset Patriots, Nick Chirillo. It's actually taken from a video that, that we took uh, back in December for a, a holiday video for the Patriots. But I, I figured it would be a good little audio clip to start this out on because... We're all ready for baseball. We all want to play baseball. And unfortunately, right now, with the current way that everything's going on, both in the state of New Jersey and around the country and really around the globe with this uh, you know, novel coronavirus pandemic, unfortunately, we can't play baseball. I mean, right now, I am recording this show uh, from my apartment on uh, Thursday, May 7th, and there are still guidelines in place, both on a state level and a federal level. And, you know, we want everyone to be safe. And, you know, so at this time, we would have been playing baseball. We would have already been almost a week into our 2020 season, but we're still striving for baseball. Uh, but I thought that Nick would be able to, considering his enthusiasm for, for the Patriots and for baseball and really for life in general, uh, he would be a good voice to get us started on an update of what's going on, not only with the Patriots, but around the Atlantic League and the baseball world as a whole. So... What's going on with the Patriots right now? Uh, well, uh, obviously we're not playing, uh, but the team and the Atlantic League have come out with uh, with a couple of statements over the last week to provide a little bit more information on where on where we're all at. Uh, first, the Atlantic League back on April 30th, which was technically the opening day or what was supposed to be the opening day for the Atlantic League, uh, the league came out with a statement, and the title of the statement was the ALPB intends to play in 2020. Uh, but the statement further went on to say, quote, all teams are adhering to guidelines issued by federal, state, and local authorities and health agencies uh, regarding the uh, coronavirus developments. And uh, there was actually a, uh, 
a quote from the president of the Atlantic League, Rick White, um, in which he said, The safety of each team's fans, staffs, and on-field personnel remains our first priority. Uh, Meanwhile, we are making every effort to play a competitive 2020 schedule. The ALPB is committed to welcoming back fans to our ballparks when games are approved and it is safe to play ball Again, um, he continued, to our loyal fans and sponsors, thank you for your resolute support. It has never been more significant. Uh, so the Atlantic League intends on playing. Of course, you know there's still a lot of work that needs to be done before we get to that point. Meanwhile, the Somerset Patriots came out with a statement regarding at least their ticket policy for the 2020 season. Um, in that statement, the Patriots said that uh, single-game tickets purchased from the website over the phone or at the box office for any 2020 home game uh, can be exchanged for tickets to any potential future home game uh, during the 2020 season or any home game during the 2021 season. And uh, exchanges can be made uh, at the ballpark box office once uh, we're able to open up and operate in-person transactions again. So uh, a couple of statements, one from the league, one from the Patriots uh, on where we're at sort of right now. Um, You know, that being said, all of the teams and respective general managers are, are still working tirelessly uh, to find a way to get a season in this year. And to, to my knowledge, each team in the league remains at least either fully staffed or, or near fully staffed from a, from a front office perspective, which is great. Uh, the word seems to be around the league that there would need to be about three to four weeks in terms of buffer time uh, from when the front offices can gather back together uh, thanks to local uh, guidelines. Um, so about three to four weeks from that, for that buffer time between when the front office can get back together uh, to when each ballpark and team uh, would be ready to play. Now, of course, there are a number of logistics to work out, uh, but every effort is currently being made um, by all the teams in the league to see whether or not baseball can be played in the Atlantic League this year. Um, you know, with that, the Patriots roster does look really strong. So uh, we're all hoping for baseball because it would be a lot of fun to see the guys that uh, Director of Baseball Operations John Hunton and uh, Somerset Patriots manager Brett Jody, uh, the roster that they've put together so far, um, going from a very strong starting rotation that we've discussed a couple of times during the offseason. I mean, a rotation that would likely have David Kubiak at the top, who was just flat out dominant last year. Um, it would include Brett Oberholzer, who had a really strong season after a bit of a tough start. Uh, same could be said for Thomas Dormany, um, both of whom, Dormany and Oberholzer, had their contracts purchased. They went overseas uh, in July. And then add to that some major league talent in Southpaw Pat Dean, who was dominant with over two starts with the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs last year, uh, and Vance Worley, a seven-year major league veteran, um, and one of the bigger names that the Patriots brought in this offseason. So it's a very strong rotation. Then you can look at the lineup that shows a lot of promise between some returning guys. Uh, team MVP from 2019, Will Kenger is back. Jimmy Paredes, former big leaguer, really had a strong month of September last year. And then some new additions, some power in the outfield between Jan Hernandez and former World Series champion Paulo Orlando. Um, speed at the top of the lineup with Scott Kelly and Justin Pacioli. So uh, the signings will continue to come in over the coming weeks as we get closer to a potential start of the season, but uh, certainly a promising uh, look for the Patriots roster as of right now. As for the rest of the baseball world, well, uh, it, it looks like we're hopefully moving towards a bit more clarity 
on when Major League Baseball will start up again. Of course, the Korean League is uh, has restarted, and a couple of their games have been broadcast already on ESPN, uh, which has been a lot of fun to watch. Go Dinos! Um, but a New York Post article written by Joel Sherman um, from Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday, May 6th, mentioned that Major League Baseball is expected to present the MLB Players Association with a proposal on what a 2020 season would look like um, sometime in the not-so-distant future, and uh, what that would look like, including a spring training 2.0 that would start around maybe June 10th or so and work for about three weeks and lead to an opening day in early July. Uh, That said, on that same day, May 6th, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic mentioned um, that there was, quote, no plan was close to firm, unquote, on what the season would look like. Uh, But he did mention that the target date, should it be possible, seems to be roughly around July 1st for a potential Major League Baseball opening day. Um, Unfortunately for the Atlantic League, uh, the situation is a bit different uh, because teams here would most likely not be able to play um, if there could not be fans in the stands uh, from operating costs and player salaries that would likely be uh, too great to overcome with a loss of potential ticket revenue and concessions revenue and and sponsorship revenue. Um, you know, at, at this point, it, it seems as though the Atlantic League uh, will have to work somewhat autonomously uh, to come up with a decision on if and when uh, they will be ready to play and, and what exactly that would look like. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance. It's NJM. The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com always. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. With eight locations on routes 202 and 31 in Flemington, has a commitment of providing an essential service to the community. In accordance with state and federal directives, all their service and parts operations are open for business with no contact pickup and delivery available. Sales operations are being conducted virtually, so you can shop at home online 24-7 at Flemington.com, and they'll deliver the vehicle to you. Flemington Car and Truck Country, taking all necessary precautions to assure a safe and healthy environment for their customers and associates, here for you today and tomorrow. All right, and welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz. Uh, This is fun, right? This is is the first podcast in Somerset Patriots history. Uh, A big thank you to uh, 1450 WCTC airing this episode uh, every Friday night from 6 to 7 p.m., or not just this episode, but future episodes as well. But we're having a good time, or at least I'm having a good time, hoping that you guys are enjoying it as well. Uh, but let's get in a little more information about who our guest for our inaugural episode is. And uh, this week, we are speaking with Corey Smith. 
Now, a lot of you Somerset Patriots fans, you know a lot about Corey already, uh, so some of this might sound like a review, but uh, for some of you that might not be as familiar with Corey's story, uh, it's a good one. Uh, He's a New Jersey native, so we figured we'd start it off and we'd keep it at home. Uh, Grew up over in Piscataway, went to Piscataway High School and had a really remarkable high school career over there. Um, His senior year was all-county, all-state, he was an all-American, and he wound up getting drafted at as a first-round selection uh, by the Cleveland Indians in the 2000 Major League Baseball uh, June Amateur Draft. Um, As he'll discuss a little bit uh, later on the episode, um, he was sort of weighing either signing with the Indians after they made him a first-round selection, 26th overall. Uh, He was also at the time committed to go to the University of Miami. Uh, He ultimately decided uh, to turn pro and had a good start to his career and Uh, He started off in um, rookie level as an 18-year-old, not too far out of after graduating from high school. Uh, Later, he was a 22-year-old when he made his first stop at the AAA level uh, with Buffalo in the Indians organization. Uh, And then there was a little bit of reshuffling in his career. He was designated for assignment after a conversation with the Indians front office um, and traded before the 2015 season over to the San Diego Padres in exchange for first-round draft pick uh, Jake Gautreaux. Uh, I hope I'm spell- uh, pronouncing his name right. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name. Um, but Corey wound up only spending one season with the Padres. Uh, his first Atlantic League experience actually came uh, with the, the Newark Bears in 2007, and it, it came against the Somerset Patriots, and it actually came sort of And it came at the expense of the Somerset Patriots because in 2007, as many Patriots fans will remember, uh, the Newark Bears were actually the Atlantic League champions. They beat the Somerset Patriots in the Atlantic League Championship Series that year. And uh, Corey Smith was a big part of that team. He had 274 that year with 18 home runs and 72 RBI. Um, After that, though, he was back in a major league organization. He played in the Los Angeles Angels organization in 2008, got back to the AAA level that year, uh, would later play in the Dodgers organization for a couple of years, including 66 games with AAA Albuquerque in 2011. Uh, Started the 2012 season in the White Sox organization with uh, AA Birmingham, uh, where he was actually an all-star that year with Birmingham, uh, was released after his all-star game appearance, played in Mexico for a little bit, and then finally got over to uh, central New Jersey again, returned home to play with Somerset in 2012. And that was the first of what turned into be three seasons for Corey in a Patriots uniform. Uh, He played with his brother Carlton in Somerset in both 2012 and 2013. Finished the 2012 season strong, uh, 11 home runs, 30 runs batted in, over 47 games that year with the Patriots, uh, and then returned in 2013, which was the first of back-to-back all-star seasons uh, for the third baseman. Uh, 2013 was a great year for him. He was the all-star game MVP after he won a a tie-breaking home run derby after the game was still uh, tied. That was down in Southern Maryland. There was some rain that happened earlier that day as well. Um, Unfortunately, the Patriots did not win uh, the Atlantic League championship that year. They lost to the Long Island Ducks, so Corey uh, decided to return and play one final season in 2014 with the Patriots, which wound up being his 15th professional season. And he showed no uh, signs of slowing down. Hit 305 that year, 13 home runs, 79 RBI. He was a midseason all-star. He was a postseason all-star as well. Um, and 
while the Patriots didn't win the championship that year either, uh, he really finished his Somerset tenure on a strong note. Um, and just in terms of where he ranks in franchise history, uh, fifth all-time in franchise history with 43 home runs, ninth all-time in runs batted in with 193. He ranks 10th franchise history in doubles. Uh, he was voted number 19 on the all-time top 20 Patriots list, uh, that list coming out before the 2017 season. And then uh, just earlier this week, actually, uh, he was named to the Somerset Patriots All-Decade team from 2010 through 2019. Uh, he's currently uh, still working in baseball. He's a coach uh, and a co-owner, senior instructor for the Upper Deck Elite Baseball and Softball Academy. Uh, but he has continued to come back to Somerset Patriots games. He is a big-time member of this community. Um, the front office loves him. The coaching staff, Brett Jody, still loves him. Uh, and our fans uh, still love him as well. So uh, when we come back, it'll be our interview, our first interview of the Something Patriots podcast. Uh, and this one will be with Piscataway great, the pride of Piscataway himself, Corey Smith. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance. It's NJM. The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com always. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. With eight locations on routes 202 and 31 in Flemington, has a commitment of providing an essential service to the community. In accordance with state and federal directives, all their service and parts operations are open for business with no contact pickup and delivery available. Sales operations are being conducted virtually, so you can shop at home online 24-7 at Flemington.com, and they'll deliver the vehicle to you. Flemington Car and Truck Country, taking all necessary precautions to assure a safe and healthy environment for their customers and associates, here for you today and tomorrow. And welcome back, everyone, to the first ever episode of the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. And for the first guest on our first ever show, I have the pleasure of being joined now uh, by a longtime Patriots third baseman and recently named to the all-decade team for the 2010 through 2019, Corey Smith. Corey, how you doing, my man? Hey, Mark. How are you? doing good i'm i'm doing all right it's uh you know it's weird times right now we we should be at the ballpark um you know we should have had a game tonight uh, i think against the long island ducks it might have been against another team but you know I, i'm doing all right how, how are you holding up uh it's it's difficult i'm becoming a, a teacher um you know got the we got the kids here at the house so yeah that's that's been a little bit drying on us uh you know they want to get out and you know they want to have gym class and you know, we're teaching the lessons, you know, the, the teachers give us the assignments, you know, we're basically working with the kids every day. So, I mean, it gives us time to kind of get together, but I mean, you need a break every now and then. 
<laughs> what, what's, what, what's been the most difficult lesson that you've had to teach? Is, is it, is it math or science? What, what's been difficult for you? I would say just, just, just getting the assignments and getting the kids to want to do the assignments on their own because mom and dad are giving them the work. It's like, I can do it whenever I want. You know, it's just, I would say just getting them to do their work. You know, that's, that's kind of the, the big thing. But I mean, they've been really good about it. You know, they, they sit down. We've gotten into it now. We're on a system. So, we get it done, and, and, you know, they have the rest of the day to kind of just hang out on their tablets, and, you know, my, my oldest does some extra reading every now and then. So they're, they're doing they're doing okay. All right. Well, that's good to you. I'm sure they're enjoying spending some time with you guys, and just added time is always nice, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let, let's get into um, some fun stuff here, Corey. And, again, you're our first guest, so we really appreciate it. Um, what, what we were trying to do here in this podcast is, at least start off with uh, some of the guys that we're naming to our, our brand new all decade team for the 2010s. And, uh, you know, of course your local connection uh, really stood out as, as somebody who made sense to be our first guest for this. And uh, for many of our fans, uh, they probably already know this for some of you, for some of them that might not know this, uh, you grew up in Piscataway, um, a big time high school athlete over at Piscataway high school. Um, I'm curious though, Corey, when, when you were in high school, your junior and senior year, that was roughly around the time that the Somerset Patriots became a team. Uh, I'm curious if you knew anything about the Somerset Patriots when you were uh, finishing up your, your high school days. I played for Team USA um, my junior year, I believe. Uh, I played for Team USA in that stadium. Um which was which was pretty cool. We played against uh, Team Japan in, in in that actual stadium, so that was my first experience there. And then when I was a senior, um, on on game days, uh, a lot of scouts wanted to see batting practice. So Kevin Cust and myself, uh, we would actually go to Somerset Patriots Stadium. We would go over there and we would hit before our game. So we actually got permission to leave school early to hit in front of major league scouts and and head on to our games. How did the rest of your buddies in high school feel about you getting out a little early? I mean, they kind of had to deal with it. I mean, my day was <laughs> over anyway. My mom knew that I was going to have senioritis, so I had before school classes my first three years of high school. So I, my day was over by 1230 anyway. I was only missing like a study hall or something. Did did it make it any more difficult to, I mean, you know, your numbers in high school speak for themselves, and of course you had, you got a lot of accolades, all county, uh, all state, uh, all American, um, but did it make it any more difficult to focus on maybe the high school games at hand when you were leaving school a little early to go over to, you know, at the time Somerset Ballpark and take some BP in front of scouts? No, not really, because, I mean, that was what I was doing. I was getting ready for that particular game. You know, yes, I was going to hit batting practice in a in a professional stadium, but that batting practice was to get ready for that game that I was getting ready to play. It would only be on game days when I would do it because Somerset was close enough that I could get there and then back to my high school to play games. I only did it on home games. When we That's road, games road games, we couldn't do it. So, of course. Of course, you had your awesome high school career, and then you drafted in the first round by the Cleveland Indians in 2000. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, the, the thought process that you had going on, you're, you're drafted, of course, you were getting um, scouted by colleges at the time also, but, I mean, you get that first round draft pick tag 
Um, w- was there any debate in your mind on, on whether or not to go pro or, or once you got that first round draft pick selection, was it like, all right, this is what I'm doing. I'm going all in on it. I was 50, 50 at first. I mean, you, 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 you really want that, that first round selection, you know, but you know, I know me and I was going to the university of Miami. I had signed my letter of intent to go to the university of Miami. They had just won back to back titles, uh, or they had just won the title. And then my freshman year would have, they won it again. But I ended up not going, obviously. But I mean, I, I was fifty-fifty. But then, you know, you get that opportunity. You wonder if you're going to get hurt. You wonder if you're going to get that chance three years later after after uh, after you know college and stuff like that. You know, because you're eligible for the draft after three years. You know, I the biggest thing was I wanted to be able to take care of my family. You know, um, and I wanted to get my career started. So I decided that I was going to go ahead and start playing pro baseball. Um, but I know myself also. I would have went to Miami and majored in baseball and went to school on the side. <laughs> you know, so I I needed to do what was what was better for me. So so you start your professional career and and you get off to a you know a start in a in a spot over with uh, rookie level in Burlington where I mean you're you're fresh out of high school you're an 18 year old and you're playing in a league where you know there's a lot of other guys that might be you know two three years older than you that, that have some more experience, whether it be at the collegiate level or, you know, playing in, you know, a, a lower level of professional league. Uh, what was that experience like for you jumping straight from high school into, into already a pretty high level of baseball? It was a, kind of a culture shock um, when I first got there. I mean, I had come from being the best um, to where everybody was kind of the best where they were from. And, it was an eye opener, and I struggled. My first—I think—I don't think I got a hit for like my first week. And I think my first professional hit was like a bleeding double over the first baseman's head that I just kind of legged out for a double. You know, it just—but you know, then I got my feet wet a little bit, and then you get a little bit more comfortable. You learn how to work. You learn a professional lifestyle of how to get going and get through a season, how to prepare your body for a game. You know, and that's when I started to, you know, be able to get it and and, and make it last. Did you feel like there was any extra pressure on you entering that league, not only as an 18-year-old, but I mean, here's the uh, first-round draft pick? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, there was a lot of pressure. I mean, I was I graduated high school on June 18th. I think I played my first professional game on June 22nd. Wow. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, I went straight from straight from Jersey right to North Carolina, met my team, you know, and I suited up that night. You know, we played. I went and got my physical, and I played that night. You know, they weren't wasting any time, and you know, it was like I said, it was a shock. You know, yeah, there was a lot of pressure. You know, you're the I'm the new guy. I'm the first round pick. You know, there's always that title that comes with that, and that expectation that comes with that. And early on in my career, I tried to be that. I tried to go out and show everybody why I was that. That's just added pressure. And you can't play like that. You know, you got to play loose. You got to play this game with fun. You know, you, you can't. You can't go out there and, and, and try to impress because that's when you when you do press and then you're not good to anybody that way. So so how long did it take you to, to get to that point in your career? Because, I mean, you know, the next year in the Indians organization in 2001 as a 19-year-old, I mean, you put up pretty strong numbers over at single-A Columbus, hit 260, 18 home runs, 85 RBI. So, you know, how long did it take you to, to change the mindset of I'm going to prove everybody that I'm worth of a first-round pick that just, you know what, I'm going to play my game and everyone's going to see how talented I am? I think after that rookie season, we went to Instructional League, and I got to meet some of the older players, you know, guys that had already been in it, um, 
you know, CC Sabathia was one of the guys down there. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Eric Crozier, who actually played in the Atlantic League for a little bit. Um, you know, he was there, you know, guys that I had, had, you know, developed relationships with, you know, they started, they were older than me and they started talking, you know, kind of schooling me and what to do, what not to do. You be yourself. Don't try to press, don't read your press clippings and stuff like that. And then that's when it started to, to sink in, you know, cause I used to always look up at the scoreboard to see my stats and read the paper, you know, and I remember one, one time a, a newspaper reporter, um, in, in Burlington, he kind of ripped me because I made an error, um, in like my first three games. I had an error in each game and then he made some crazy comment. Here I am, 18 year old kid. He made some crazy comment in the paper about, you know, uh, it's 370 some thousand, whatever the number one <laughs> per error. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, so, and my manager at the time, his name was Dave Turgeon. He laid into this guy. This is 18 year old kid. You're going to rip him up three days into his career. Are you kidding me? You know, and that's when I kind of, that's when I, you know, you, you got to just get past that. You can't read it. You can't worry about what people think of you. You just got to go out and do your thing. So I want to move on a little bit further into your time with the Cleveland Indians and, and what I imagine was probably a pretty wild time for you and your family. I want to go to the 2004 season and, and then the bridge into the 2005 season. Uh, so in, in 2004, you're 22 years old. Uh, you're playing primarily with double-A Akron and putting up strong numbers, 19 home runs, 66 RBI. Uh, you do get a finally an opportunity as a real still young player, 22-year-old playing at AAA with Buffalo. Uh, during that season, your brother gets drafted by the Cleveland Indians organization as well, Carlton. So what was that experience like to not only be, you know, a top prospect at the time in the Indians organization, but to be joined by a family member in that same organization as well? I mean, it was, it was cool. Um, you know, he ended up not signing that year. Um, you know, but there was always that potential of us playing together, which we thought was, was going to be awesome. Um, but he ended up going to junior college for a year. And then that following year, I was traded. So we never really got that opportunity to play together with, with Cleveland. Yeah, I want, I wanted to get to that trade also. So you were designated for assignment, um, and then you were traded over to the San Diego Padres. Uh, you know, you had been a first round pick of the Indians at the time. What were the emotions like, you know, to have been playing at the AAA level as a 22 year old and then, um, get designated for assignment and, and traded over to the Padres? Well, I mean, that was kind of, I sat down with, with John Farrell at the time. He was the director of player personnel over there with Cleveland. Um, I had sat down with him at the time and he kind of gave me the option. You know, he said, do you want to stay or do you want to stay on the roster somewhere else? He said, we got to make room on this roster for Alex Cora. So when, when Cora, when Cora came, um, they had to create the space on the roster. So what I ended up doing, I bet on myself. You know, I said, you know, I want to stay on the roster. I don't want to lose that time on the 40 man, um, you know, trade. And that's what, I mean, he gave me the option. I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, a cordial conversation. No, you know, no drama or nothing like that, but. He gave me the option, and, I, and I, I gambled on myself. So when you went over to the Padres organization, I guess you would say then, was there any extra motivation starting in well, a fresh place? Well, yeah. I mean, I was still – they traded a first-rounder away for me. Um, you know, so it was first-rounder for first-rounder. Um, I was I was in camp. I was in Major League camp. Um, I was treated like I was 
had a chance of making that team. Um, you know, usually they give you a number like 97 or something. I was like number 18. You know, my locker was in between Eric Young Jr. and Phil Nevin. You know, and all the guys that they weren't anticipating to make the team were they were kind of far out. So, you know, we had to, uh, you know, so I had to get get through that part. And then, you know, I went over there and it was actually it was a really good spring until I broke my finger. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I had a shot of making that team. I was there till pretty much to the end. And then I broke my finger. And I got uh, six weeks without being able to play, and then they sent me to double-A. Your first trip into uh, the Atlantic League uh, in 2007, uh, you played with the Newark Bears, and you wound up actually winning a championship um, with the Bears that year over (laughs) the team that we're we're trying to focus on here, the Somerset Patriots. Um, What was that experience like for you, your your first trip into into baseball in 2007? It was initially disappointing, you know, because I was coming off of a pretty good year. Um, you know, and, and to be able to, to get back out on the field, you know, was, was a blessing, obviously, but, you know, I wanted to still be playing affiliated baseball, you know, whether it was double A, triple A, whatever, you know, I still wanted to be out of there, but that's why everybody goes to the Atlantic League. Everybody goes to the Atlantic League for the chance to get out. Um, you know, so initially it was, it was tough, you know, but we had a great group over there. I mean, with the, the team that we had in North, I mean, it, it was a stacked lineup. I mean, we had players from all over, and, you know, we, we played well together, you know. And, and then we did happen to beat Somerset in the in the finals, but, you know, it was, uh, it was a good experience. Well, so it, you, definitely, it definitely taught you about perseverance and, you know, and fighting back because I ended up getting out of the Atlantic League that year. And I think the next year, I think I was with the Angels, and I think I hit almost 30 homers. You did. Yeah, you, uh, you led the league. So in 2008, uh, you spent the majority of your time in the Texas League with, uh, with Arkansas and the Angels organization. Uh, you wound up leading the league in home runs with 26 that year. And then you, you were up with the, uh, Salt Lake, the AAA affiliate of the Angels for seven games in 2008. Um, what was the, what were the emotions when you got back to the AAA level for the first time in, in four years since 2004 with Buffalo? Uh, it's about time. Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, it, it was one of those things. I'm just like, what else do I have to prove? I've, I've done well in every double A league. You know, I've hit 19, 20 homers in every double A league. I've put up numbers every year. I'm always in the top three, four, five, two, sometimes in, in doubles. You know, why am I still coming back here? But, you know, it definitely tests your character, your mental toughness. Um, you know, early on, I wasn't really good at it, you know, at, at kind of just letting that bounce off. Like I said, I had to learn that. And I think in 2000 and I think it was five when I was with the Padres, um, you know, that year, that was kind of the year where, you know, I pouted a little bit and my numbers in the first half of the season showed it. The end of the season, I ended up with, with big numbers, but for the first half, I was, I was kind of trash. You know, and Kevin Towers was the GM at the time, and he came down to Mobile, and he said, Corey, what did I tell you in spring training? I told you I was going to bring you up at the All-Star break. You ready to go? I said, yeah, I'm ready to go. He said, no, you're not. You pouted this whole first half of the season. And he was right. I played with an attitude. I played with a chip on my shoulder, and it affected me, you know. But I never let that mistake happen again. At, at what point in your careers, because you were, you know, you played in the Royals organization in 2009. You were in the Dodgers organization. 
um, in 2010 and 2011 got uh, 66 games actually at AAA in 2011. Um, that was the most time that you had at the AAA level. At, at what point did the Somerset Patriots, and I, maybe it is more so in 2012 when you were with the White Sox, but at what point did the Patriots start to become an idea or a potential option for you? I think when I went, when I was with the White Sox, I got released. <laughs> I got released after making the All-Star team. Um, and I think that was 2012, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think 2012. And I think I played this, my first time with the Patriots was the second half of 12, something like that. Yes. I don't know. Somehow I ended up in, I went to Mexico. Um, I went to Mexico after I was uh, released. And uh, it was cool. You know, it was a good experience. The money was good, but I didn't want to go all the way back over to Mexico. You know, I'm starting a family, you know, stuff like that. And I'm just like, you know what? Um, I'd much rather stay home. You know, rather than go to Mexico, I'd rather stay in, in, in New Jersey and play in Somerset if that's the opportunity that I have. So, I mean, it was a, it was a family decision. It was. My brother was now on that team there, so it was like, all right, I get to go play with my little brother and have fun playing baseball again, you know, because that last season that I had with the the Dodgers, it really broke me. So I had to, you know, it, and it takes away the the love of the game with some of the things that go on behind the scenes, and then you got to find the love of the game and play for the love of the game again. And that's what I did in Somerset. I played because it was so much fun. And I had to bring the fun back to play. Now, was that something that uh, immediately started when, when you first got to Somerset, that it, it just had a different feel to it, or did Absolutely. it take some time in, when you were in Somerset? Uh, it was, it was, it was just, I knew most of the guys already. You know, I had already known Sparky. I had already known – Sparky was the manager when I first got there, and I had already known Brett. I had already known Travis Anderson. I had already known uh, a lot of the players that were on the team at the time. You know, so it was like just kind of walking into a locker room that I knew most of the guys were. Right. I mean, these are baseball guys. We, we, our paths have crossed already. And then, you know, the laid back atmosphere, the, you know, the be accountable, you know, do your job, do what you're supposed to do, prepare yourself. There's nobody breathing down your neck. You know, they just, it's, it's expected. It's expected for you to go out and do what you're supposed to do. And that's what we did. And, you know, they put together good teams over there and we had fun doing it. What was it like for you? You're, you're having fun playing now, which is, which is great to hear. Um, but you're also playing with family and you're playing in front of family. Uh, now granted, you, you played in New Jersey with Newark, um, in 2007, but you know, Somerset a little closer to Piscataway. What was the experience like for you just day in, day out being so close to home and, and having so many, uh, friends and family and familiar members of the community around to watch you play? I mean, it was awesome. Every every night it was. It, it's really a home game, you know. These guys that were coming in from all over the country and playing here, and you know, I I've been that guy traveling all over, you know, all over the world to play baseball. I, I've been that guy, but actually to sit and just be able to play in front of people that you knew, you know, your whole life, you know, at any given time, it was awesome. You know, one of my best friends, uh, Stanley, he worked <laughs> he worked up with the food and beverages inside the stadium. So there were times where there were times that we finished the game and I'd just go up there and hang out with him in his office, you know. And then after the game, we leave together or something like that. I mean, it was just awesome. Like, like my younger brother is playing, you know. The, the best feeling I can honestly say, the best feeling I had, 
in baseball, one of the best feelings I've had in baseball was handing the ball off to my brother and telling him to go strike this dude out. That was, it was awesome. Does that did you feel like it immediately translated into success for you on the field, uh, just to feel a little more comfortable and be playing in such a familiar setting? Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I had, you know, I had easy access to my dad. <laughs> they were they they moved to North Carolina, but they were still here at that time. I had easy access to him. If I started to slump, all I needed to do was give him a call, tell him to come on out to batting practice that night. I'd be hitting. You know, it just, it just was just, it was, it was so much, so much fun, so much easier, you know, the pressure, the, you know, but it's still big time baseball. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I mean, these boys can play. These are former major leaguers in this league, you know, but the pressure that's on you, it, it's, you're playing, again, like I said, you're playing for fun. So what was your approach like then going into the 2013 season? Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people that are in the Atlantic League, of course, you know, they, they were excited to play for the Patriots, but it's, you know, it, it's often looked at at times as like a showcase league. Like this is where I can play to get noticed to either go to a major league organization or, you know, potentially have my contract purchased and make a little bit more money playing overseas or playing in Mexico. Um, so what was the preparation like for you going into the 2013 season? I was going to play in the moment. Um, if I was playing for Somerset, I was going to play for Somerset. If an opportunity came up, for me to go overseas, then that's what I would have done. Um, my my mentality wasn't really focused on getting picked up into affiliated baseball, going to play in a minor league somewhere else. Um, I, that wasn't really my focus in, in 13. Um, I was I was really playing for a contract in Japan or Korea or something like that. That's where I was looking because you know the money was really good and you know. That's politics of major baseball. <laughs> so you get off to a tremendous start to begin the 2013 season. Um, you're named the Atlantic League Player of the Month for the month of May. You hit 333 that month, seven home runs, 27 RBI over over 27 games, and you're eventually selected to the All Star Game. Uh, and it was the first of actually back to back All Star Games for you in a Patriots uniform. Uh, but something very unique happened in the All Star Game that year. Um, you were named. Uh, the game's MVP, um, partly because uh, you wound up winning a, a home run derby of sorts after the, the ball game was tied after nine innings. What was that experience? Was that like anything you had ever done in baseball before? Well, no, that was different. And, I mean, that game, it just had to end. We were running out of pitching. <laughs> it, was, it was delayed like two hours. So, you know, we just, we're in extra innings. You know, we're running out of pitching. And they they came up with it on the fly. We're gonna have a home run derby, a swing off, just to see who wins this game. Because we're out of pitching, and we gotta get. It's like midnight by this point, <laughs> you know. And I just remember, you know, they they picked me, you know, the players from my team picked me, and um, I'm trying to remember who I went up against. I think I went up with somebody from Southern Maryland, and uh, that just took me to school. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so. You're named the All-Star Game MVP, um, and then the team uh, eventually makes it into the postseason in 2013. Uh, a difficult way to end that 2013 season. You're in the championship series and uh, wound up losing to the Long Island Ducks. And um, then if my memory serves me right, the, the offseason between 20 and 13 and, and 2014, um, there were a little bit of rumblings of whether or not you 
we're going to come back for another season with Somerset. And I'm, I'm curious what your mindset was after the 2013 season ended, um, a little bit of injuries in that year as well. And what was the, the real motivating factor for coming back to Somerset again in 2014? Well, the biggest thing was I wanted, I wanted to win a championship. I didn't like the way we lost it. Um, I knew a lot of the guys would be back. Um, I wanted to try to help Brett Jody win one. Um, you know, Brett believed in me from day one. So I wanted to try to help him get one. Um, you know, and I got hurt in the playoffs, you know, stealing second base. I was safe, but you know, <laughs> I tore my, I tore my quad and I wasn't full go the rest of that playoff run. Um, there were times when I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't push off the back leg to hit. I was just DHing, couldn't play any defense. So it was just a bitter ending. I didn't want to go out like that. So, you know, it took some time. I thought about it, talked to my wife about it, and I said, go ahead, play. I said, I'm going to give it one more year. You know, here we are um, about six years later. I'm not great at math, but you still remain in the forefront of a lot of Patriots fans' memories. Uh, before the 2017 season, you were voted by the fans as uh, the number 19 player in franchise history. Um, and now during this offseason, you're named to the all-decade team from 2010 to 2019. Uh, for somebody that's still so grounded in the community, that, that grew up close to the ballpark, that was taking BP at the ballpark before you even turned pro, uh, to still be viewed as such a key member of this uh, organization's history by the fans, what does that mean to you? It, it, it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling. Um it's it's a family atmosphere in 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 Somerset, you know, with Mr. Callister upstairs, you know, to to the fans, to the boosters, to I mean, it's it's we're up close and personal, you know. We, you know, we hug our fans. It's unbelievable, you know. Like, you know, they come up, they want hugs, you know. They they want to they want to be around all the time. We have a promotion going on on the field, and it's it's sold out. They're all there, you know. That's the community. That's the 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 atmosphere that that Somerset brings to the Atlantic League. You know, I've never, in all of my years of baseball, I've never seen a community as close to the players, you know, a front office as as, as loyal to the players as, as Somerset. And I've played all over the place. Do you ever have guys that reach out to you that, that might have any questions about what it's like here? Have you ever had to put on, like, a recruiter's hat for a bit, whether it was during your time here or maybe afterwards? Absolutely. Um, if, if, if anybody ever asked me, you know, if they're looking to play in the Atlantic League, I always, you know, throw out the Somerset Patriots. That's the first name I'm going with. Um, I'm going to give them Brett Jody's number. You know, somebody that, uh, if Brett's looking for a player and I know somebody, I'm going to go Brett. Any, anytime there's somebody looking to play in the Atlantic League, whether it's on their side or the player side, I'm going to do my best to make that, uh, connection so that they can get it done. Because, if you're going to play an independent ball, Somerset's where you want to be. We're going to end on this. Um, so I do want to touch base on what you've been working on currently. Of course, you know, your time with the Patriots will always be remembered. But right now you're working with the uh, the future of baseball. You're uh, a co-owner, your coach, a senior instructor over with uh, the Upper Deck Elite Baseball and Softball Academy. Um, you know, for a baseball lifer like you, uh, how, how much fun is it to, to still be around the game and be – uh, teaching and and instructing, you know, the future of the game. Oh, it's awesome. You know, it, it's awesome. And, you know, we're really missing it right now. You know, with this time, everybody's indoors, no baseball being played. I feel real bad for my seniors. 
you know, guys that are going to miss their high school senior year. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we, we run teams. We, we do lessons. Uh, I'm doing lessons all the time. We, we've got teams. We put them all over the place. We've got playing tournaments all over the country. Um, just like a lot of the other club organizations, you know, where, you know, it's just they're, they're getting the information from myself, Brian Malco, who's also a former Patriot, um, you know, and, and, and a Piscataway graduate as well. So, you know, we're just getting, <clears throat> we're getting the word out. You know that we're going to teach the baseball the right way. You know, we want to make sure that that these kids are are, are taught the way we were taught. You know, and that's to play play hard and respect the game. Um, and we've had some success. In my first year, uh, I graduated when we when we did it. I graduated 11 out of 11 seniors in the college. Keep up that great work, Corey. Um, I want to thank you again. You are our first ever guest on this podcast. So. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I hope that you're able to stay busy um, and stay safe and your friends and family are all able to be well during these uh, weird times. But thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. No problem. That was Corey Smith, a all-decade team member of the Somerset Patriots, voted number 19 Patriot of all time, joining us here on the Something Patriots podcast. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance. It's NJM. The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com always. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. With eight locations on routes 202 and 31 in Flemington, has a commitment of providing an essential service to the community. In accordance with state and federal directives, all their service and parts operations are open for business with no contact pickup and delivery available. Sales operations are being conducted virtually, so you can shop at home online 24-7 at Flemington.com, and they'll deliver the vehicle to you. Flemington Car and Truck Country, taking all necessary precautions to assure a safe and healthy environment for their customers and associates, here for you today and tomorrow. Well, welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. As we are winding down on episode number one, uh, which is incredible just to say that, uh, we, we did want to introduce our first hometown hero segment. Now, every week, uh, we're going to pick a new member of the Central Jersey community for this segment, whether it be an individual, a group of people, or even an organization or business that is doing something noteworthy uh, to help us get through the coronavirus pandemic together. And this week, we figured we'd start it off by highlighting a bit of the work that the Somerset Patriots and their partners are doing in the community. The Patriots have partnered with RWJ Barnabas Health, uh, their official healthcare providers, for uh, a number of really cool features in the community. Uh, back from April 6th through April 10th, the Patriots hosted a PPE drive uh, at TD Bank Ballpark, where fans were able to 
go to the ballpark and drop off essential equipment, uh, personal protective equipment uh, for nurses and frontline healthcare workers uh, at RWJ Barnabas. Um, later in April, uh, the Patriots also raised over $1,700 in an online auction uh, to benefit the RWJ Barnabas Health Emergency Response Fund, uh, with all of that money going right back to the front line uh, and all the healthcare workers. And the Patriots have also delivered lunches uh, to the frontline workers through RWJ Barnabas Health as well, and a partnership with another restaurant partner uh, for the Patriots, 22 West. Other work that the Patriots have done in the community uh, in regards to restaurants, uh, the Patriots have uh, begun a track on their website of all of their different restaurant sponsors uh, that have remained open during the pandemic and have listed the different options that are available, whether it be through their website uh, or whether it's curbside pickup or takeout. That information is available on SomersetPatriots.com. Um, the Patriots have also and are still in the process right now of hosting a Cisco pop-up shopping event um, on Friday, May 8th uh, for the Patriots. It's to provide essential bulk items for fans uh, through the partnership with Cisco, where fans could pick up those items, place an order ahead of time, and then pick them up without leaving their car in the parking lots of TD Bank Ballpark. And finally, uh, though we didn't have our own opening day uh, this year, at the ballpark, what we did do was an opening day at home, which uh, isn't necessarily essential work, but our, our hope is that it helped provide a smile for everyone uh, during these difficult times. Uh, our opening day at home was very successful. It reached over 125,000 people online and had close to 20,000 online engagements. Um, and that's just between Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and some of the other Somerset Patriot uh platforms. So uh, that was a very exciting time for us as well. All right. Well, that's pretty much going to do it for our first episode here. Thank you so much for everyone who's tuned in. It was a pleasure putting this together. Uh, we look forward to having another episode next Friday where we'll introduce another member of the most recent Somerset Patriots All-Decade team and provide more updates on everything going on with the Somerset Patriots and in the entire baseball world. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Something Patriots podcast. The Somerset Patriots would like to thank the presenting sponsor of the podcast, RWJ Barnabas Health. They would also like to thank the supporting sponsors, TD Bank and Flemington Car and Truck Country, with proud sponsorship from T-Mobile, NJM Insurance, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, and NJIT. Other thanks go to Flemington Department Store, AARP New Jersey, Sanofi, and Financial Resources Federal Credit Union, all valued partners of the Somerset Patriots. The Something Patriots podcast airs live on the voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and on WCTCAM.com every Friday night from 6 to 7 p.m. with the archived versions also available for download on SomersetPatriots.com and on participating podcast platforms. The show is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.